Welcome to the Arrest or Mimics podcast with your host Ben Talon. Hola and welcome to Arrest or Mimics. My name is Ben Talon. This is the Original Thinking and Creative Innovation podcast. I am your host. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, good night. How's everyone doing? Hope you're all well. The weather this week is funny angled goldfish and the big bad world a frightening colour you'll get that reference when you listen on in a little bit it's all relevant to today's guest uh, the goldfish bit mm, I want. I need some help from you guys uh, one of my goldfish is swimming at a weird angle I've been told it might be swim bladder swim bladder <laughs> any fish experts out there get me some facts, get me some information because it's quite distressing Goldfish upside down, you can't, you know what I mean, you, there's so, you, you can find out with a cat or a dog, but goldfish, anyway, we're going off track. <laughs> Hit me up on the Twitter with any goldfish advice at Arrest or Mimics. Uh, thanks to the sponsors of the show, we've got three wonderful sponsors that keep the show going for free every week for you guys, which is really, really awesome, and they're all great supporters of the arts. Uh, founding sponsor, Illustration Limited representing around 200 fantastic artists, illustrators, animators, set designers, fashion illustrators. They've got an awesome roster, so much variation. Go and check it out, illustrationweb.com. They represent today's guest, uh, who is Rohan Daniel Eason, uh, who is a fantastic book illustrator. He's just done a, a... Wonderful animated trailer for UNICEF. We'll get to that in a little while, but his portfolio's on there, so go and check him out. Really cool stuff. They've got something for everyone, so they can meet your needs. Illustrationweb.com. Heartinternet.co.uk came not too long after those guys. Tech supporters, they give me tips and advice on social media and SEO, search engine optimization. for anyone who doesn't know about that stuff. It's how well you're doing on Google and why. And it's all the analysis. So go and check it out. They're masters of all that stuff, hosting, the rest of it. They've got the internet pretty much sewn up. So go and check them out. Um, Today's tip, courtesy of those guys, I'm going to talk about how I came across Rohan Daniel Eason's work. So we're represented by Illustration Limited, the two of us. Um, Awesome agency who helped me get this show off the ground. It was Managing Director Harry Lyon-Smith's concept, uh, sorry, uh, idea. He conceived the idea. Um, initially and kind of suggested that I might be good for it and I just ran with it to make it what it is today with their support and the other guys I'm talking about but uh, Rohan's work was doing the rounds recently on social media he was using it pretty well to promote his UNICEF campaign for um, poor children caught up in the Syrian refugee crisis um, you know isolated from their parents tragic tragic stuff so it's a bit of a tearjerker of a project and as Rohan will tell us a little later today it was quite demanding to work in animation and for such a kind of heart-rending meaningful project um, but it's, it's beautiful stuff and I saw it doing the rounds on social media and I thought, that's really cool. I, I really like to talk to him about that project. Um, and I delved deeper into Rohan's portfolio, which was also linked up to the videos that was uh, being shared on Twitter. And I thought, this stuff's awesome. It's very fairy tale esque um, Again, we'll talk about that soon. Uh, but he was using that project because it's very of the moment, it's very contemporary, it's very now, and it's very topical. So... I think it's a real asset to do that, to, to, you know, timing, timing, I guess, is my point on social media. The amount of times I will, you know, pull up a guest that I've had, let's say, 10, 15 episodes ago, and, um, you know, there's been a new spotlight shone on on what we talked about. It's become relevant again through topical things going on. Um, I've just seen, for example, Women in Print, Jane Boyer's project shared again recently because they've moved venues, and... You know, it's cool. You've got to get back on get on the back of those existing conversations. And of course, sadly, the Syrian refugee crisis is still very relevant and still very heartbreaking to see that in the modern world. You know, doors closed on on other human beings over some bullshit pretense of oh, our lands, our country, uh, close the borders. It's horrible, horrible stuff. But don't get me started on that. So anyway, it was very topical and I saw it being shared very effectively and that's why we got together to talk for today's show. So keep that in mind, courtesy of Heart Internet. Look at topical things, look at existing conversations and how you can seamlessly you know, streamline your work into that. 
great way to use it. So there you go. Cheers, hat, internet. And last but not least, printed.com, who I am now writing a column for twice a month. So go and check that out on printed.com's blog. Head to the website, printed.com, follow the blog link, and you'll find the columns. Freelance advice and telling stories of eight years of experience, shared experience from guys and girls with so much more experience than that. Um, Just feeding from the industry and passing on things from my weekly and day-to-day toils and and trials and tribulations and triumphs you know it's all valuable stuff when people share stories with me um from their wealth of experience i'm always open ears i'm never never arrogant enough to to not listen to anyone to be honest you know a little or more experienced than me you've got to do it you've just got to learn from others so go and check out the columns that being said and of course printed.com providing you with awesome printed goods over 90 different products all sorts of different finishes really really great customer support from my own experience that's why we got together to do this for the show and great supporters of the creative industry they're always sharing fresh new work from designers illustrators you name it like anything anything goes animators it's just you know sharing relevant relevant work so really cool stuff to see and black and white is today's topic regarding printed.com so rohan daniel easton works primarily black and white his work is absolutely fantastic using negative space and shadows to create these dynamic book illustrations and work right across the board and it's so powerful and it's really really cool and i think people often overlook black and white and its value so of course printed.com offer a whole range of black and white options on all their products so do go and look at that and think about how impactful that can be after you've heard today's chat between daniel uh daniel eason and myself so cheers printed.com go and check them out really really great guys and the only place you should be getting your printed products done so thanks to last week's guest, Liz Atkin. Really awesome stuff. I, I joined her on the overground service from Crystal Palace to Dalston Junction. And she's doing a wonderful project, raising awareness of skin picking disorder, which she suffers from and has done all her life. But also just, just giving people a lift on the tubes and doing original drawings on the free newspapers and then sharing them with commuters. It's a brilliant story, a brilliant episode where I had one of the best train journeys I'll ever have. So thanks to Liz for that and go and check it out last week. And then, of course, before that, we've got Designers Block, we've got Miss Led, we've got Adrian Shaughnessy, Rod Hunt, Danny Allison, Sarah Beats and Sandra Dickman. I could go on. You get the picture. The hottest talent, the latest creative stories, inspiration and advice on this show every week. And you guys are sharing it an absolute treat. Um... We've now crossed the 25,000 plays mark, which blows my mind. I've been doing it one year, and it's far exceeded my expectations, but I'm absolutely loving it. Uh, I love chatting to awesome, talented people every week and sharing their advice and their stories, so I hope you've been enjoying all that. Do subscribe on iTunes. Please do re- leave me a review on there if you're a regular listener of the show. Um, there's not been too many, but I'd really they really help, so please do go and endorse it if you like it. That's why I do it for free every week, so give us a bit of feedback. Um, I went to chat to the Association of Illustrators last week. Fantastic bunch. Essentially, the trade union for the illustration industry, but so much more than that, doing loads of exciting things. Talks, meetups, interviews, features, panels. Um, they're bringing back um, the Varum magazine. Uh, it has been a newspaper for a while, but they're going to re- repackage that back into a more traditional magazine. So I'm excited to see that. And they're going to be supporting the show moving forward. So go and check them out, providing everything you need. The membership is super cheap for what you get in this age of intellectual property uh, awareness. They are the people to support you uh, with any contracts, pricing queries, and the rest of it, you name it. So they're going to be looking after the show as well soon. Um, I'm going to be working with them to champion the illustration industry. We do get a lot of illustrators on the show, just like today's guest. So, Rohan Daniel Eason, great story. Some really, really cool things to tell us about his journey, um, including pitching up at Kingston University, who didn't let him on the course, and working there anyway in a corridor, <laughs> which is brilliant. He'll get to that shortly. Um, he went around the houses. He still plays in a band, and had played in a band for 10 years, prioritising that before deciding that he'd always drawn and maybe illustration was the more tangible route um, that didn't involve the troubles that come with with managing a band and schedules and London life and all the rest of it and his work has flourished ever since he does primarily fantastic pen and ink black and white illustration which we're going to talk about in depth Um, he has done things in colour 
but the black and white stuff continues to be popular and it's become a real trademark and he's done loads of brilliant book stuff. Um, like I said, I picked him up for the show because he'd been doing some tremendous work with UNICEF to raise awareness of children who are victims of the Syrian refugee crisis. Um, heartbreaking stuff, but really important work, and it just goes to show what can be done uh, with the right level of work ethic and and dedication, really, to getting these things done. He's also worked on My First Kafka, which is a children's book of Kafka's work, which is crazy and brilliant and there's always a dark twist to Rohan's work um, as much as it's fairy tale stuff and it's got that real fantasy feel about it and um, we're going to talk about the dangers of becoming typecast with such a distinct style so that's a really interesting topic for you guys to get your head around. He's going to talk about having creative parents and how there was no uh, questioning of the weird drawings he would do as a child. Um, Everything from a piece with three girls sitting on toilets um, around GCSE time, which he's going to tell us all about that soon, which really made me laugh. Um, just a wonderful, interesting character, and his work's brilliant, and he's not been full-time too long, so it's another unconventional story of doing a roundabout route into the illustration industry that I think everyone can learn from. Everything's crossing over nowadays, uh, digital, tech, science, business. I think the the lines are being blurred between disciplines, so what would have been you know, a graphic designer one day can be an illustrator the next in today's industry. An illustrator can now be an animator. You know, An animator can go into set design. It's just technology has opened up all these doors, so I think there are less you know, less reasons to to rest on your laurels and feel like you're trapped within one industry. Um, I think you can, you know, if you've got the initiative and the ways to engineer the options yourself and right, meet the right people, you can work wherever you want. I got chatting to a girl at the talk I did at the V&A the other week and she told me about she was about to embark upon a fashion textiles degree but was worried about how that might cut her off from other things and I told her a few stories and looked at options within that and I think she came away feeling a little more uh, light-hearted about it and I said, look, don't worry about it. A degree is a launch pad into the creative industries. It's as simple as that. It's up to you to go and fight to get into other industries but the possibilities are infinite now. You are never trapped within one thing unless you allow that to happen. So... Rohan's story is very inspirational in that respect. So I want to hear your thoughts. Let me know when you've heard the show. Let me know thoughts on any previous episodes. I'm getting more and more correspondence these days on social media. The primary channel is on the Twitter, at Arrest All The Mix. You can also get me at Ben Talon. We promote the show all over the place, but that's the conversational point. So get on there, hit me up. Also, if you want to get there on the email, hello at bentalon.com. Do you want to be on the show? If so, yes. Why? Let me know. You've got to sell it to me. There's got to be an angle. Tell me who you want to hear from. I will take suggestions. I will go after people. You know, oftentimes it's just something that I've not heard of and someone will suggest it and I'll go out there and make it happen. So thanks for all your kind feedback. I love it when I hear from my listeners. Keep it coming. Uh, and you find me in Hackney, in right on the edge of London Fields, in Rohan Daniel Eason's studio. Enjoy the chat. Yeah, yeah, no, there's been more and more on location stuff. Like, that seems to be picking up a few like in-store type jobs at the minute and mural bits. All right, which is nice. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah it's, it's, I did my first one. It was about the size of this wall, actually. And wow. It was the exterior area we were in a bar in Cardiff. Yeah. And it was part as a guy who I know runs an interior design firm. So he brings me in every now and again if it's like a student bar and they want something a little, yeah, yeah, a little, yeah. a little rougher, I suppose. And um, I was kind of bricking it because I've not done anything in my full style at that scale I've done yeah. lettering and I've done very naive stuff but I've never done my full illustrative style yeah, so I yeah. planned it all A4 and I was thinking god like if this goes wrong there's no way out but it went fine and it was uh, did you just literally then go from the drawing and pretty much pencil very loose pencil marks and then yeah just kind of got stuck in, in. and I, I, you know, I purposely kept it you know, I kept the, the person who was involved in the mural quite anonymous. There wasn't, you know, I wouldn't go in. I'm not at a point where I can go in and do a recognised portrait at that scale. That's yeah, just, yeah. That'd just be silly, you know. There's yeah, far yeah. too many variables there. Totally, yeah. And where about in Cardiff, is it? It was a bar called The Flora, um, Cathay's Terrace. I don't know, I've only been, I've been there three times in the last yeah, year. Yeah. Two talks and one mural, which is quite interesting. Right. I keep getting dragged back to Cardiff. I, I like Cardiff. We I like to, it a lot. I've, yeah, I've only been a few It's got an amazing energy there. Like, it actually has, yeah. And you, yes, I mean, obviously the evenings are like crazy... Even down there, Chip, Chip Alley. Oh, do you know what? The, I have a friend who's from Newport and she had studied at Cardiff and um, we ended up staying too late at the bar and she had to get a late train, but she really wanted to take us there and was telling us all about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> and she was a bit gutted that we missed out, so I, I'm told it's uh, a phenomenon. It's, it's brilliant, yeah. We used to, I used to be a band and we used to play gigs there. Yeah. Um, and 
always used to get obviously totally annihilated, but you'd end up down Chip and Alley. And it's like any, it's like a little world. Anything goes down there. Like my friend Joe, he managed to he got inside a woman's jacket behind, <laughs> totally, and she did, she didn't give a, a shit. She was. They were, everyone was just kind of fine. It was just like this kind of weird bubble of fantastic <laughs> cough, like the uh, that was it on Harry Potter Diagon Alley. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, it's just this in between space. Yeah, like. yeah, totally. <laughs> it was brilliant. Yeah. That's excellent. So how long have you been illustrating now? Um, I guess it's got to be about eight years now. Um, yeah. When I actually decided to, uh, yeah, take it upon myself to, I was I was doing this band thing for like ten years already, mm. and uh, I just realised that having five other guys to try and organise at the same time was too much. Yeah. So I thought I'll do something for myself. Um, yeah, that's when I started. Yeah. Knocking stuff out. I work with a lot of bands, and I I, I look upon it with not a great deal of envy on that side of things so I think god like managing five lives and schedules yeah, to yeah, get yeah. to gigs and creative you know creative uh, ideas my god that's not you've got to be I guess really on a on a wavelength to make that it's, work yeah you have to have a sort of a um, all the conditions have to be so perfect like we we make I mean we still when we get together we still make amazing music it's exactly what we want to make but actually yeah just the the logistics of it, especially in London as well, everyone needs to make their own money and stuff, and it, yeah. it's so many cool. I think everything has to be absolutely yeah, bang yeah, on. That's it. Yeah, that's it. My best friend's an electronic producer and solo artist, and he kind of got a nice balance because he does a bit of teaching, but but he you know brings in the right vocalist for the right track or whatever, or the right instrument instrumentalist. And yeah, yeah. I just think he's got a better deal, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I've worked with a two piece with where I think okay, that's that's cool. You know, yeah, they yeah, live yeah. in the same city there and you know they're very, both very passionate so that kind of works but then no, like you say it's such a small percentage now this is the lead uh, singer he's the main songwriter Alex he's, he's, that's what he does now he makes all of it himself and stuff and he can manage it and it, mm. he can produce something really quickly yeah. Nice thing, yeah have you enjoyed that transition into illustration on that respect uh, yeah, I, I do enjoy being in full control yeah of my own destiny um, and I mean I do miss uh, just the comradeship of, of having other people around and stuff. I mean, I, obviously I have people in the studio now, but I find when I work I need to be quite focused and I don't really enjoy kind of constant, you know, nattering and yes. stuff. Yes, yeah. It's, but it is kind of forced. I do I do miss it after a month of just solid work. I mm. don't miss any kind of, you know, social interaction. Yeah, I think it's a, what, the classic pitfall, isn't it, being a freelancer in our industry. Yeah. You speak to so many people, you hear so many stories of... Uh, kind of dark comedy stories of isolation and yeah, 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 <laughs> cabin fever yeah. behaviour, you know? <laughs> but it's, it's true, it's true. So you've always drawn, I mean, I was reading your bio and um, there's a few questions that have, uh, have been risen from that, <laughs> which mm. I really enjoyed it. Um, so you've always drawn by the sound of it? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I used to, uh, well, I had a yeah, long history of family sort of art um, and then... Uh, when I was in school, I just I started uh, doing like little pen and ink sketches of um, like animals and in toilets and I don't know, these weird <laughs> things that come into a small boy's head and I used to sell them at school um, yeah. to the other kids. And, yeah, sounds ridiculous, but it that's great. Worked. And what age are we talking there? That was from eleven. Yeah, eleven at school. Yeah, um, and I think I didn't I didn't sort of pursue it all the way. I, I was I, I was doing art there as well yeah. um, did art the whole time but um, yeah there's just this small pocket in the first maybe two three years where I was just selling these little little drawings yeah. around stuff. Well, I had a guy at the, about three four episodes ago a close friend of mine is a web developer it's a little boy uh, he's doing that he's selling cartoons he's 10 selling them at primary school yeah. he's got you know he's got a full contract so he had advance fees late fees <laughs> no after, yeah because people were not paying up so I had a chat with him and said Look, you know you need to charge a deposit <laughs> and he goes after the parents and you know he's, I got such great feedback on that episode because no it's so way. sweet but uh, but quite switched on you know yeah, got yeah. better business skills than some people that I know <laughs> yeah yeah that's amazing I don't think I ever yeah so where did I mean because I find that really interesting I was chatting to a lady last week and those kind of early sketchbooks when you don't procrastinate and you don't really mm. you enjoy doing it but you don't care you don't overthink anything and, and, this, the, and this really natural thing happens doesn't it and yeah like, yeah so did, was that something you went you really loved doing you just did it for pleasure to begin it was totally pleasure and I can almost not remember that feeling you know mm. what I mean it's really hard to that's why as well I enjoy doing music because there's a moment in music when you're all playing together and you know what you're doing it's it, it's this like human creative pleasure mm. and 
I think when you get into sort of commercial illustration, a lot of that pleasure can sort of be taken away from you because mm. of time time limits and sort of pressure to reproduce, you know, what they expect, your style. And it's, um, yeah, there's, there are still moments where, you know, it is really enjoyable, but a lot of it is it's just it's just a job as well. It's a really mm. hard job to just, yeah. just get, get right. There is that side of it, actually. I did, a, I did a talk last Sunday at London Design Festival and it was all, it was called... Dream clients a child's play, and it was uh, it was all about the importance of trying to retain as much of that as possible. That yeah. just that chasing that sense of wonder and not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's okay. It's difficult. Yeah, I get a lot of commercial work, and I, and I, I do enjoy a lot of it. But I, I'm also very, really quite strict with myself in in shaping my portfolio accordingly and pushing hard not to, not to fall into that position of seeing too much of it as just a job. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like I, I always try to leave time for. Uh, Playful personal projects and yeah. and pursuing that feeling of just I can't wait to get out of bed today to go in there and do that. Yeah, no, it's it's, a, it's like a mindset now. And I, I, this this year, as as work has become like this is all I do. I have I've started to yeah. You kind of you get the project and you you have to look at it like it's it's going to be a fun thing to do to be able to sit there and just imagine mm-hmm. for a while. And I, I did lose that in the first sort of few years where it was just sort of job after job and I felt like I was. Just churning it out, but yeah, that's it has become my new like yeah, like you say, just, yeah. just new try and get a new mindset. Always enjoy it. There's always some point in the project where you're maybe halfway through, and like the sketch stage is always the most exciting and enjoyable. And then when mm. you actually have to when I have to put it down into to ink, it's um, you know, it's a case of getting it right. It's a lot of pressure and stuff. Yes. And that's where the kind of the fun sort of falls mm. away a certain amount. But um, I say as well, again, I'm going to give myself a day a week from now on to actually pursue personal mm. projects. I think it's great because also once you start to get, get you know, gain confidence in that and, and subtly start to feed that into your portfolio, I found this that the most unexpected connections happen with that stuff. You'll get someone who, let's say, has got 30 years' experience as an art director who will see mm. something in that you, you've never thought about. Let's yeah. say it's production design in a film, you know, maybe it's these doodles on a wall. Or, yeah. And, you know, I have a friend in New York who I had on the show called Kyla, and she some of the more naive stuff she'd done, her personal work had this, she described it, this 15-year-old angsty teenage girl aesthetic about it. It felt like it could, could have come out of an exercise book. Yeah, yeah. And she said that, um, and she got picked up by... Adam Stockhausen, but really famous production designer for mm. a film with Ben Stiller. They're while we're young, I don't know if you've seen it. Was mm. recommended, uh, very clever, yeah. funny film. And um, and she, you know, I, she came back with these kind of overworked, and he went, oh, "That's not you. That's not you. That's not the person yeah, I brought yeah, in. Yeah. I want that. I want you." And and she just let loose and went, "That's absolutely perfect." You know, from now on, whatever you give me goes. And yeah, yeah. they were all used as kind of these quirky doodles on walls in the sets and on t-shirts. And I just thought, what a wonderful. Sp- thing you know where yeah this this gone straight to the personal bit of the website and picked up on that and not yeah true. these briefs you've been doing with like she works at hbo and her hbo stuff's amazing but i'm just i just love her personal stuff it blows yeah. me away and i keep saying I'm more of that more of that you know? it's it's the confidence thing as well isn't it you kind of to i think you know it's quite easy to retreat into your style what you know you can do mm. and that's you don't need the confidence anymore i guess to do that but to actually then sort of step back and, and let go again which you had the confidence to do when you were sort of younger or at the beginning because nobody cared and you were just trying to make it. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, that's definitely something I'm yeah, pushing to just get that confidence from knowing I can do it, but then just to yeah. let go and, and see what happens. Because your work, I mean, to, to me, from an outside perspective, looks incredibly fun, but I also know from a professional perspective the shackles that come with that, as you mentioned, you know, the, the perfection or someone going, can we just have that ear over there or whatever yeah, it might yeah, be, yeah. you know, it's those little tweaks can very quickly nail all that fun you know and it's just um totally and that's not to be too down on it it's just um when it's something that's so close to being this beautiful thing that you do for pleasure but then yeah, it, yeah. like you say it's a very fine line to tread isn't it and i think it takes a lot of work to shape that to engineer that yeah love back into well it's it. it's a case of like I say it's i sketch and then i rework the sketches many many times until i have the perfect sketch and then to take that to the ink stage, I'll then, you know, I'll use the uh, light box and and sort of almost trace that idea. So I've already got the kind of what it should be, and then I'm putting the ink on top. Yeah. So the actual process of the ink, the final thing, it's it's hard to get that to be free again because I, I'm I'm looking through it, the drawer. You know what I mean? Yes. You can't. The freedom's been done in the sketch almost. Exactly. So I'm, what I want to try and do because I, I know I'm capable of actually doing more freehand with the ink like immediately, not not relying so heavily on the sketch. I like do all the sketching and stuff. But it's like um like Quentin Blake, he uh would 
exactly the same, he spent hours on the sketches, but then on the light box he would sort of freehand over the top of that perfect thing. Mm. And the, the image that it's created is, you know, loosely based on what's underneath. That's literally giving him... Is that right? I didn't know that yeah, about his yeah. process. I didn't know either until I, I went to see one of his shows and I, I saw that, I was like, oh great, he uses the light box as well, because I always thought that was almost like cheating using a light Students box. Students always ask me that, and I use the light box quite a bit, but yeah. I think it's what you do with it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I don't think, it's in any in both of those respects, yours and Quentin Blake's, I don't think that's, I don't think it's cheating full stop, personally. I think it's, no. what, I think it's what you want from it. Exactly. It's no, it's, 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 value. A, it's, a, it's a method, isn't it? To, yeah. In, in your yeah, practice. But yeah, I think to do to do less... To just be more free, I guess, um, yeah. is my main aim at the moment. It's funny, actually. I did. I created this character recently. The backstory is way too long-winded to go into it, but it, it resulted in this character called the Medium Man, and it's the, just a, the complete average person, you know, that, mm. not going to bother coming out tonight, you know, send yeah. my apologies, have one for me, that kind of thing. It's like <laughs> it's a very dry, one-panel comic strip. I've never done anything comic, even though I've always loved them growing up. Yeah. And I, I said to myself, I'm going to do it, that's it, freehand, completely freehand. And I work from photographs, I always do, I always work from reference, that's a choice. But yeah. but it, it it brought me a huge like, load of confidence back yeah, yeah. in my drawing. You know, the, every panel I, I showed it to my girlfriend and she went, this is really nice, this is really loosening up. And yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. yes, you know, I get my confidence, I can draw again, I don't have to rely on the final thing being the yeah, light box. Yeah, and it was a lovely process, yeah. Well, so, it's all that knowledge you gain through, through going through, that's what I feel like my, so far, illustration career or whatever. Has been this process of like just learning, just learning so much about how to draw every, you know, every single mm. job comes up. Suddenly, you've got to draw, you know, a horse reversing down a building. Yeah. You know, you know, what I mean, all these things that don't exist, yeah. and you've got to somehow work out how to yeah. to draw this thing. But yeah, after a while, you've gained all this knowledge, and so then it's in there. It's definitely in there somewhere. So you should be able to then just let that mm. out freehand. Now. Especially your style. I mean, the the range of subject matter and and bizarre stuff going yeah, on yeah. that must like. I never thought about that, but every new thing must be a new challenge, yeah. I, I've, but that's where I'm, I guess, really lucky with uh, how my style has been interpreted like commercially is it's very much fantastical and magical and fairy tale and all these things, which, yeah, exactly, you get, you get the opportunity to draw, imag- imagine monsters or imagine mm. creatures and, and, yeah, strange environments, landscapes and stuff. Yeah. So that's, is that something you pushed or is that something that was picked up on quite early in your illustrative style? Um, I think uh, I think a lot of my early work was, I mean, like my first uh, kind of commission was for a, a fashion label to do uh, sort of fabric prints, and uh, I got given the idea to uh, imagine fairies, but nasty fairies, kind of fag smoking, drinking fairies, <laughs> like the ones down Chip Alley. Exactly. <laughs> 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 yeah, I went there to do some research. And, um, yeah, so. That was all, yeah, it was just magical and it just fit really well with, obviously it's quite, my style is quite classical. I try try and make it as modern as I can, mm. um, but it is quite classic immediately. So that fits with the whole sort of fairy tale, mm. fairy, you know, all those old books, um, old children's stories. So I didn't, it wasn't kind of forced on me, but it just, it just fit really well, really easily. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to like, yeah, it's like getting typecast or something as an actor, I'm trying to do, you know, get more work that's more just kind of modern and commercial um, yeah. advertising and stuff, things like that. Um, so I need to start creating work which is a bit more in, yeah. that, in that vein. It's quite, I think, yeah, I have been typecast a little bit. Like, I've done so many children's books now, mm. sort of fantasy children's books. Um, so it's definitely, yeah, that's, that's a, a key goal yeah. to get on with. Maybe there's an alter ego somewhere in the pipeline. Yeah, yeah. I do find that sometimes is is not is not the only option, but as one of the better options. Because I, I, I now know that, you know, in my case, Ben Talon is Ben Talon. It's the ink, it's loose, it's it's pen, it is what it is. Yeah. I'm never going to be commissioned to do stuff that perhaps I know I can do. Yeah, yeah. Outside of that, and that's why I did the Talon type thing. I asked I asked the guys at the agency if I could go with a second portfolio, and mm. because this lettering was starting to really confuse my, you know, photography and all of a sudden, and yeah, I understood yeah, yeah, yeah. it, yeah. but. To the casual viewer, it's like, what's going on? Oh, what does this actually do? So I. What did they say to that? Well, they said, you know, that they would like to look at the body of work, and they felt it, it stood alone and offered something entirely different to what I was doing, and wasn't really treading on the toes of anyone yeah, else. Yeah. And therefore, I said, let's do it. Fine. And Brilliant. you know, it, it's mm. the jobs are way less regular than what I get from my traditional illustration. Yeah, but yeah, when yeah. I do get them, tend to be nice jobs and, and stuff that I certainly wouldn't have been considered for. Book jackets. I've never done a book jacket mm. until. No, until myself. Yeah, I, I, I have had that thought before. I was wondering how 
because I had a couple of years ago, I, I decided I wanted to do, do some colour. All I've done was black and white. Mm. I really wanted to do some colour and kind of prove that I could do colour for myself. And I kind of managed it in a certain way. Um, but it was maybe, I wasn't really getting the colour jobs. I had to sort of instigate them myself or go and find them. Mm. And it wasn't really, um, there's a lot of people that do colour a lot better than I do, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Same kind of thing, but a, a lot better. But it's because I didn't have the time to actually spend doing colour and developing the colour style. So I was thinking, how do I... Because at the moment, yeah, in my portfolio, I, have, I do have the colour work as well. But I've, I've asked him to like move it down to the bottom because I'm known for my black and white work. Mm. It's, it's a mixed message if you're, yes. if you're two things at once. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's a good, good idea. So what, what was the origins of the black and white? Was that a conscious decision? Um, I, my auntie uh, used to have uh, some Aubrey Beardsley prints in her house when I was young. Yeah. And uh, I used to love them. It wasn't all the ones with like the big penises and stuff, but it was um, <laughs> <laughs> it was some of the, just like the really beautiful like the peacock uh, patterns and stuff. And I've always been one for not giving myself too many um, tools to play with. I like to have a very limited. Like as a, as a guitarist, I spent you know fifteen years in a band and I barely touched a pedal because I just didn't feel like I'd mastered the guitar yet. Mm. And to add more tools was just it was too much to play with. So I really believe in this kind of limiting yourself to to black, you know, to two things, black and white, to mm. see what's possible. And it's only now that I'm I'm starting to feel like I can maybe branch out because I've done black and white now. Yeah, I, I know it as best, yes. well, nearly as best I can. But. Uh, I get that approach. I, I, I think I, I think it's a good way of doing things. I, I when I started up, I've been eight years now full time, and um, right at the beginning, I struggled hugely with color because I didn't have the technical proficiency to you know to execute what mm. I could envision. So I found myself relying on black and white and using a very limited spot colour. Yeah. But the plus side of that is that you know I, I had to use that very wisely and make sure yeah, I said yeah, something. Yeah. And um, now I'm fine with full colour. But yeah. but even but now but now I love the fact that it's a conscious decision to do black and white. I, now that mm. when I do it, it's for a stylistic, not 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 because I can't do colour. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's so it's quite yeah. interesting. No, it's good because like with black and white, you have to to create grey. Basically, that's the kind of the challenge of black and white to create nuances of like um, between dark and light mm. and that's where you have that's where you have to imagine pattern and you have to like, I was always very like my sort of one rule was never crosshatch like crosshatch was just like the devil to my work I would never use it yeah. so it's how to create a grey through pattern or through yeah, increasing the yeah. amount of, of ink that. that you put down but leaving the white and what, what's more black and what, you know yeah every structure has like a pattern like there's obviously wood you know has a pattern so that's your gray yeah. and but then some things don't have so much of a pattern so you've got to imagine what pattern they would in, yeah yeah it's kind of no it makes so much sense and i never considered that but now that i'm looking at it again stuff it's like of course it is yeah it's all about that mastering the gray isn't it yeah yeah totally and so yeah i, I get you know i mean so you know your stuff is the negative space is is everything, isn't it? Yes, yeah, it's that balance. In balance compositions. Between, you have yeah. got a very wide range of compositions in your stuff, which I, I do really like. I think you've got such a strong eye for composition looking at your stuff. Well, I try and, I try and imagine... Um, I love films. Like, I'm a massive film fan. I suspected you might have done enough. Yeah. And it's, it's, like, it's that idea of choosing the viewpoint, like being as a cinematographer or whatever, just trying to find the most interesting way of looking at a scene. Mm. Whether you're going to be, you know, the the viewer or you're part of the scene or you're you know looking behind something or through something it's that kind of idea just otherwise it's quite easy like a lot of the the old work that I love like Arthur Rackman and and Aubrey Beardsley they're very kind of um, the the, the composition is it's kind of almost a sort of taut it's the uh, what you call it the the triangle thing is it the triangle no the you know the three what's that the famous measurement um for composition. Oh, the um, rule of thirds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's something to that, and it's it works every time, but um, to try and make my work feel more contemporary or whatever, I, I always try to play with yeah, the actual view and, mm. and not stick to these kind of rigid... Yeah. Rigid. On that, on that basis, you, you should listen to the show I did with Ray Richardson. He's a... He's quite a, really does really well as a painter, and he's fantastic. But he um, he once got called the uh, I think it was GQ magazine called him the Martin Scorsese of painting. Oh, wow. And it's the same thing. It's it, these compositions are so powerful, and so you know they turn these very everyday, ordinary moments, these scenes mm. in London, and they suddenly feel like something from film noir or um, yeah, yeah, you know, from the beat 
you know, beat era of writing that kind of thing. It's just yeah. got that. You're like, oh god, is it? It's an ep- something. It's just a moment. It's captured this moment it's, yeah, in his yeah. pieces and on the same basis, he talked about his love of film and and you know how things are shot like that. And yeah, yeah. It's sort of powerful. And I guess with you, I mean, you do a lot of book work, right? Yeah. So I guess that comes into play quite a bit to get Definitely. that energy. Yeah, it's. Um, um, as much as anything, it's to make make it more interesting for me to to create an image. So it's not just this, just different characters in the same situation every time, but it's um, yeah, just imagining yourself reading reading through this book and being in that mindset and where you are in in the story and mm. you know yeah, what's the best, what's the most interesting way you can view this scene? Yeah. Um, yeah. So what sort of reactions are you used to get with these drawings? I'm quite interested, but aside from people buying them, I mean, like, did you did you well, you said your parents were quite artistic yeah, yeah yeah they they didn't they didn't mind they saw it was a good, I, mean, That's I, used, good. I used to make i think three pounds i'd sell a, a piece like this um, yeah big. um I, I had a few main characters um and i had some fixation with toilets um, <laughs> which i took through all the way to my um like my f- sort of a-level art piece i did so, so fine i think now i did oil paintings three uh, <laughs> three girls on toilets brilliant and I had no idea, and nobody really questioned it or asked why. Like my parents didn't say anything about it, but it was just these three in like just just pretty little girls sat on toilets. So I was like, "What the?" I look back now, and I'm just I've no. That's idea. superb that you managed to do that without question. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what? That's uh, some kind of oh uh, yeah, this this sexual kind of uh, <laughs> ideas of a small child. Does like, it still exist? Um, I think one of them does, yeah. Oh, God, can't send me that. <laughs> I'd love to see that. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, so going by your bio, it sounds like you had quite a, a roundabout journey to be, to illustration, and obviously the music you mentioned, but it's... Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I worked every, every, every job you can do, um, pretty much. I've, I've been a building site uh, waiter, managed restaurants, um... Worked for an artist, uh, worked for galleries, um, yeah, just been all over. And it, for, for the majority of the time, it was to support the band. Like, we, we took on this restaurant um, so we could have the downstairs as a recording studio and stuff and have free coffee and alcohol mm. and stuff. Um, and everything was for the band. And then, yeah, I say there was this point where I realised that I still loved doing the band, but I wasn't 100% sure that I could turn it into something that was going to support me and I, I mm. needed to be supported because as you know life in London is really tough if you can't support yourself and it's yeah. kind of living from pound to pound so yeah I just yeah took that choice to take control and um, yeah and it took another I think it was about six years of creating work and knocking on doors and yeah. sending my portfolio out again and changing and also it sounded like you you, you know the, in, in respect to the kind of disciplines I mean architecture did you do some? Did you have a stab? I, I did. Uh, I st- I started an architecture course um, after instead of going straight to university. I thought I'll again. I, I've had a, a little not. Uh, I came like my parents. Were, we were never very rich, so I always had this feeling like I needed to have a bit of money to support myself mm. in life. So I think a lot of my sort of younger ideas were about making money, um, and I suddenly f- I could have gone to art school, and I thought no might not make money out of that, I'll go do architecture as like a definite career in that something. But I found very early on that I just couldn't hack so yeah. it wasn't creative enough for me. So yeah. I'm always fascinated by people's yeah, you know, like journeys to finding that discipline and, and the way we kind of deviate and exactly what you said there when you when you start to look at adult life, this has formed a big basis of my talk again about suddenly when you know you have to pay rent or you have to yeah. uh, get a travel card, you know, it's your decisions very quickly become about how you can get to that money quite quickly, and often yeah. that's the sacrifice of your creative, not soul. That's a bit strong, but you got you know you you kind of I don't know you know you do you just you leave this period of deviating a little bit, and then I, I think when you're truly passionate, you really love to do it and want to do it. I think you really just reach a point regardless. Yeah, yeah, going, yeah. How can I make it happen? How yeah. can I, whatever it is, illustrate, paint, design? You yeah, know, yeah. Um, well, I always always had always knew that. I would get that kind of thing. Mm. Always had that belief that. So I used to throw every every bit of money that I had it as well. And, you know, I borrowed so much from my parents, um, like in loans. Not like they took loans out for me to like to keep allowing me to just try this and try this and try this. And so I sort of built up such a sort of weight of mm. guilty debt that I was like, "There's no way this can fail now. Yeah. I have to see this through." 
and I think yeah, you need that kind of drive of of the financial sort of as well to push you to actually yes. see it through and not just have it as a something that you enjoy. You know, you realise that it, it can't just be something you enjoy. It's hard, really hard work, and you have to just keep working. And, and some of it's boring, and some of it's good. But yeah. you just have to keep. So much more rewarding, and in my in my opinion, just you know the each time you, you get to a, any kind of milestone it's just it's more rewarding because yeah. of all that stuff you know and that's commendable support by your parents by the way that's I think that's oh yeah no, they, that's they fantastic pretty amazing yeah and uh, it's just uh, so when so I mean what, what was the steps to getting full time I mean, did you illustration full time yeah I mean it, well, you know there must have been a point where you thought I'm this is it, I'm doing it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there or I'm, oh, every, or I'm close every single, to it. Every single job that came in, I thought, this is it, I'm, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. And then yeah. there'd, there'd be a few months of nothing or yeah, six months or whatever. Like when I first joined the agency, like I think I had three jobs in the first year or something. Mm. So, I, yeah, I supported it with other work. Um, but, I mean, now, yeah, I think I still wouldn't say that I've, I've done it. You know, it's, I don't think I ever will. No, I don't, I don't think we chose the right career to... No, uh, no, no, no. There's no, out of, there's no out of this. No, no, exactly. No, my girlfriend's quite often saying, when you think about getting a proper job? It's weird, isn't it? It's a weird perception, but then at the same time, I, can't, I, can't, I, just, I couldn't replace this. I no. what I would replace it with. The buzz of getting that next project, or, you know, like, I mean... When I look back and think eight years now, I think, I don't know how that's happened, but yeah, it has, yeah. and it's yeah. not been easy, but it's been very rewarding and very fun at times, you know? Certainly outweighs the negatives, Yeah, that's for sure. It's just, it's lovely knowing you're getting better all the time. Every time you put pen to paper, mm. that next line you draw is better than the last line, you know? Yes. Yeah. It's just a continual, and you know that that's going to go for the entire of your life. You'll, you know, yeah. you'll be very old and you'll be the best you've ever been. Some, you know, yeah. just, just keep getting back. So have the agency brought a, a good, a fresh perspective to to it. I mean, they brought you know with their experience, have they brought ideas to the table in terms of your direction or anything like that? Or I mean, they've been really supportive of when I when I decided to do the colour work and stuff, and and saw that as a you know it was it was an idea to to get more work, obviously to to more clients would you know pick between the two. So they you know supported that really heavily. Um, and uh, I mean, generally they're, they're a great agency. They're just a, a yeah. lovely set of, set yeah. of guys, and very open-minded. Yeah, you know, like so when I approached them with the type thing, I expected rejection to that yeah. idea. I thought, you know, but no, they were great. Yeah, do it if you think yeah. it'll work. You know, then I, I find we all have, you know, we all, we all have lead of ourselves. Mm. That's the feeling I get. You know, it's a very, it's a very much. If you've got an idea, come to us, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was just by approach, Harry, about this. and It wasn't even this. I said, like, I, I love the media stuff. I, I've written this book. I love doing it. I'd like to do more things like that. Yeah. You know, is there any scope for that? And he yeah, was like, yeah. well, I listen to a lot of podcasts. What do you think about that? I think you'd suit it. And I was like, oh, okay, that's an idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and here we are, you know, that, that was great. Now, they're, they're very good at kind of forcing you to believe you've got value. Like, as, mm. a, as an illustrator, you add value to the world and you have to be, you know, not not in monetarily, but you have to be paid for that value. You know, you have to realise your worth, and yeah, and which, which is so easy to forget. Like when yeah. you do this, but um, yeah, yeah, that's that's very true actually. Okay. One thing, one thing I want to ask you that occurred to me now because I've done bits of work in film, and it's kind of changed the way I not only watch films but see the world now. You know, I'll now watch films from about five different perspectives yeah. for enjoyment. For I'm looking at the set design, I'm looking at. Yeah. You know the soundtracks of friends who mm. are musicians who do stuff for that. And do you do you sort of see things? I, I imagine that you're when you're walking around, you will you see you know I don't know something and, and envision it as a potential something for your work. Surely that's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, no, at your style. <laughs> I think yeah. I mean, massively uh, perspectives and kind of yeah, compositional. Um, I think that's kind of one of the great things about having a camera on your phone, like the. You know, there's instances of just strange juxtapositions of, of things or yeah, different viewpoints. I mean, I usually take a picture, but I've already it's already been catalogued in my brain anyway. I don't actually need yes. to see the picture again. It's that's almost just like telling my brain to remember what I've just seen. But um, yeah, definitely all all the time. I mean, that's that's like for the last three months I haven't moved from this chair kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't been out in the real world for quite a while. But yeah, when I do get out, it's like. Just taking a walk in London is amazing. Like, we're very lucky to have this city as a resource. Mm, and absolutely, there's always some something new. Yeah, you've not seen before a street you've never walked down or whatever. Yeah. So um, yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> so what about uh, so the UNICEF project? So I found that 
really lovely for the animations. How was that to work on? Yeah, that was that was really tough. That was um, that's the first time I've done the work which actually kind of had a, a sort of social uh, importance or like a humanitarian importance. I've never. I was really yeah. I had a real nerve, nervous phone call with um, Christian from UNICEF about it, as he kind of told me about this um, the journey of these children and. And, and, and it was just for the listeners. It was it was uh, Syrian refugee children. Yeah, it was a story about uh, a girl. Um, and a boy, uh, Bilal and Yana, and uh, she she tried to escape uh, via a dinghy, a dinghy, um, and the dinghy capsized and most most drowned. And uh, Bilal tried to he escaped from a refugee camp and with a with a friend, and he saw his friend get hit by a, a train on the way across these tracks. So it's kind of two really powerful stories, both true and. Um, yeah, it was the job was to try and recreate that um, for an animation um, to to hopefully get people to you know give money to help bring these children yeah. back to their families. So yeah, it's just kind of it's not. I've never had a job where it's actually got this kind of importance to it. This kind of weight. Mm. So I was yeah quite just scared about doing it. I guess from the start, yeah. and I, I'd not done animation before either. Um, I wasn't really one hundred percent sure what it entailed in terms yeah. of how much work I was actually going to have to do because all my work is pen and ink on paper there's very little photoshop work on there so it's kind of I was imagining doing you know thousands of individual drawings or moving obviously there's the technology now that you can yeah. do quite a lot on the computer but I, I didn't have that knowledge um, so yeah it was quite overwhelming but um, yeah we got through yeah. so like two months nearly two months of sort of work pretty solid um, lots of drawing a scene fully and then they'd get back to me and say can we we want to move this 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 and this and I'd be like oh yeah okay so now I redraw the entire scene without this this really? this, this and this and then redraw those things yeah to uh, with like movable arms and different face and yeah so it was it was a real like dawning yeah it was yeah, but, yeah. Um, rewarding we got um, they said well they told me it was one of the best sort of uh in terms of subscriptions, new subscriptions. I think they got 12,000 subscriptions. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, over, the, over the first yeah. two weeks. What a powerful thing, you know? Yeah. You have talent to, to have that kind of impact. Yeah, it's, no, yeah, it's really. It's a really wonderful thing. Really lovely, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I, obviously you do, you do get paid for these things as well. Yeah. I kind of, when I was taking the job on, there was kind of no mention of money, and I was, I'd already resigned myself to the fact that that's fine, you don't get asked to do these jobs that often you're doing like some kind of it's good service. I was like totally happy with it. Mm. But you do, yeah, you do get paid for these things as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Well, yeah, you know that's it. It's, you know, as do the other people, the charity and things. But yeah. all the same, it's you know, it's uh, the other the uh, value of that beyond the money is just it's, it's just amazing. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But I, mean, I thought it looked great as well. I think it looked really nice. Are you happy mm, with the thanks. outcome? Yeah, I mean, I think had I had maybe another month, I mean, I think if I hadn't. I've had to redo so much, um, then it maybe the, the final would have been slightly sort of freer feeling because mm-hmm. I had to rework so many times certain things. Certain elements got a bit sort of stilted because I'd already done them before. Um, but yeah, generally I think they do. They are quite emotional, which is mm. exactly they are. That's your one. My girlfriend this morning. Maybe not, not the best move at seven in the morning, but <laughs> <laughs> she said, "Oh, you, you interviewed today." So I said, "Run!" So I showed you your work. I said, "Look at his." Beautiful animation. She was like, oh, it's really sad. And I was like, oh, shit, it's a bit early for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, I had my sister in tears as well the first time I showed her. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so you did, uh, you worked with Kate Moss, right? The author. Yes. Yeah, yes. How was that experience? Was that good? That was great. Yeah, she's, she's brilliant. Um, she was actually one of the first times I'd actually been invited to meet the author. Generally, yeah. when I do a book, I deal with, um, you know, the art directors and the editorial people from the, the publishing house just via email I very mm. rarely get to actually leave the studio and go and meet the author and uh, but Kate actually invited me I had to do like a uh, a sketch with many other artists to uh, actually get the job um, and I was sort of picked by her son I think um, and her but mainly her son thought that I was the best um, uh, you know, not the best, but the one he yeah, the most represented. Yeah. Choice, yeah. Um, and then yeah, I went and met her in London, and yeah, she was 
Yeah, sorry, lucky. lucky. Brilliant. Lucky. Yeah. That's great. It's something you hope for, isn't it? I mean, I always did when I liked the idea of, you know, book jacket. I thought, cool, we'll get to meet the author and yeah, all that. Yeah, and yeah. I've only done a handful, but I've, I've yet to meet the author, yeah, you know? Yeah, it's, it's so rare. <laughs> it's not the way it works because there's all these teams of people managing the job. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I think sometimes you can bypass so much with a quick meet because the understanding of that face-to-face value. I yeah. think it's it's super important as well for the, the project. You can't underestimate the, the value of... It's the same thing as a phone call or an email versus, yeah, doing this. Yeah. You know, it's actual human connection and then the investment that you put into the job is it's going to be that much better because you can see that person, you can hear that yes. person. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. That's it. I work, I work with, uh, you know, I work closely with a couple of musicians and, and bands and they're, they're clo- really close friends and I've seen them grow over the years from mm. very, you know, from playing to three people and whatever mm. else and... So you know, one of them put out a first first band I know got to vinyl. I put out this, you know, my work on vinyl. It was an amazing yeah, yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. and we all worked so hard at that project. And yeah. you know, I do it for mates' rates for them, but they show me a lot of respect as well, and always insist on paying me. And and, and there's always that creative dialogue yeah, that's yeah. great. And it's just, I just want to work that much harder because I know they're great people and how hard they're working yeah. to make it right for their end. So I think it does inspire that kind of reciprocal. Yes, I mean, I guess it is a, a symptom of of this sort of fast-paced world. He's, people just don't feel they have that extra little bit of time to, to mm. do that. I mean, I always make time to, to, to meet if, if they want to meet, and I always offer to meet as well. But, yeah, I think people generally feel they're always too busy. You know? Yeah, there is that. Yeah, that's true. It's very easy to just be too busy. Yeah. And yeah, I, one project that I thought was amazing was the, the uh, my first Kafka. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. I, did, I, I had no idea such a thing existed, like a, yeah, a children's... Yeah, that was good. Version of Kafka, that's amazing. Yeah, no, actually, I did an interview for um, Radio 4 last year in the, the Kafka 100 Years Centenary, um, and it never, I never made it onto the show. Oh, no, Unfortunately, really? it was a real shame. But um, that book, yeah, that was really... The chance to kind of have my name next to Kafka was just... Yeah. Uh, was, I could not turn it down at all. That's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. I did, uh, I brought out a book last year, uh, and it's like the first-person account of basically doing this living from you know, from a from a childhood hobby and it's very honest account of it all but it ended up um one of the few stuff it's not in many stores but it ended up in Tate Modern's bookshop and it was that was nice but the fact that it was put but it was uh, but one book from Quentin Blake and I was like oh look at that look at that like photographing yeah, yeah, Quentin yeah, yeah, Blake's yeah. going that's a I shouldn't be in that presence. That's amazing. No, exactly. <laughs> no, that kind of excitement you just can't pay for, can you? It's no, just, that's that's brilliant. You know, that's them. Those moments make it worthwhile. Yeah, all along, definitely. completely. So, what are you working on at the minute? Have you got anything exciting coming up? Um, I've got a uh, a thing called a Miriorama, oh. um, which is like an old Victorian uh, card game, um, which I'm doing uh, for. I'm not sure. I'm allowed to say who I'm doing it for now. <laughs> a publisher in London um, yeah. that's coming out for Christmas I also got a I'm doing another the third installation in uh, Peter F. Hamilton's uh, children's sci-fi books um, what else I've I've got something else I'm doing a, a really nice um, a poet uh, called Damien James uh, I'm helping him with his website uh, and a book cover um, which is really nice and what else have I got I think I've just, I've just finished a really nice book uh, for Canon Gate uh, called The Story Cure, mm. which is um, it's like a book for adults and children uh, to it's like a glossary of uh, ailments that children can have, from sort of psychological to physical, and the sort of stories that you can the books you can buy for them to read to help them through these times in their life, oh, okay. um, sort of emotional distress and things. So it's a really it's a really lovely lovely idea, and it's going to be a really nice big solid hardback. Um, Brilliant. Book that's out this Christmas as well. That's really cool. Um, yeah. And there was um, there was a couple of things from your bio I wanted to ask you about as well. First of all, there's the. So am I right in thinking you, you were unofficially in Kingston University? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that really made me laugh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I had a real problem with because I didn't go straight to university. Uh, I did the college thing. I kind of got left out of the whole feeling. I needed to get in there. I just knew I needed to get in there. So I. I tried to find the end course I could. I got into Cheltenham. I had a really bad uh, time in Cheltenham. Uh, got kind of roughed up by my uh, the guy who I was having a house with. Um, I had to get out of there. Went to the YMCA for a few months. Got really depressed. Got saved by a friend, uh, Kevin, 
from London, moved to Harrow, slept on a leather sofa, then went to Stratford, uh, managed to get into Croydon College. This was like just discovering London. I was just all over the place, didn't know what I was doing. I had like a two-hour journey every morning to like get there. So Croydon College, they really nice and they accepted me, even though I didn't have anything to show. They just said, come and do some printmaking and book arts with us, it's fine. Okay. It really sort of <laughs> saved my life. Um, obviously, I didn't. that wasn't my first choice to be a printmaker and book arts. I then, good friend who I was on foundation with, Mike Patrick, he had a house in Kingston. So I moved to Kingston with him while still going to Croydon, um, and he was at Kingston University. I tried to get on the course there, and they just laughed at me, because I had very little to show as well. Um, and I kind of, I remember just saying to the, the, I don't know, the tutor or whatever, who said, I'm sorry, Rowan, there's no way. I was just like, I'm going to so prove you wrong kind of thing. <laughs> Not meaning it in that way, but I was like, you're so wrong about me, I'm going to prove you wrong. And, uh, and then I started, there was this, I used to go to the studios to um, just see what's going on with my friends and start painting. And I just noticed there was, there was a space like uh, in, in the corridor. So I just started yeah, bringing canvases and, <laughs> and painting. Just went on there anyway, I love that. Yeah, because all, all my friends were there, because in, in we lived in a massive big house full of lots of people. So they were all there, so nobody ever said anything. I used to sit on, uh, get tutors' comments and stuff and sit in on it's so good yeah I mean I obviously never got uh, anything to, to show for it uh, but still you got the experience I got and, the experience and the excitement of being around other people you yeah know, I mean it was, it was tough because I had to try and keep my attendance up at Croydon which was all the way over there while <laughs> I was moonlighting in Kingston yeah unofficially I, every morning be like which one do I go to this morning like um, yeah it was quite tough brilliant and, and you sold a piece of your corner that was the other thing that, that, yeah a pair yeah. of gloves I used to do um hand inked sort of gloves like a, uh what's it called kid 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 napper napper the leather from goats really fine leather mm. and these beautiful like victorian uh, leather gloves it was after i did the sort of, i was in fashion for quite a while doing fabric prints and um, work for collections lookbooks and stuff and yeah i did these gloves um and had them uh in uh i can't remember the name of the shop now a really beautiful uh, sort of boutique shop in west london and yeah, she, she popped in and, and she chose my gloves and bought them. Superb. Yeah, that was really it's a great nice. customer. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. I didn't get anyone in a dress or anything, so I can follow it up with a, yeah. a jacket. But um, I used to do like, yeah, commissions for white leather jackets. This uh, fashion designer I, I worked for, she had, she did lots of, she's really famous for her leather, leather goods. So I used to get, she used to give me a few jackets every month just to draw on. Or do like commissions for her clients and stuff. Mm. That, was, that was kind of what kicked me off into doing illustration as well, like sort yeah. of pro- professionally. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I always every person that I talk to and I, and I look back on their story, no matter how seemingly far away from illustration their, their journey is or their story, there's always there's something. There's a moment, you know. There, there's a yeah, chance yeah, yeah. thing that's that's given way to something else that's brought you here. You know, I, I, just, yeah. I love that. I love looking for those stories of people. It's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you're always, you're always kind of looking for it, aren't you, somehow, but you don't know you're looking for it. Somewhere subconsciously you're looking yeah. for this in, and then, so when it does present itself, you absolutely yeah. jump at it. Well, I mean, for, the, for many years we don't even know what illustration technically is in terms of no. how, it, how it works in the real world, yeah, commercially, yeah. you know? It's like, how, how old are you at 14 years old? It's like... Well, it's, I used to, my parents used to get asked into the headmaster's study once a year with the art teacher, um, and... They used to say, right, is Rowan going to be an illustrator or a fine artist? And this was when I was like 13 or 14 and stuff, every year till, till I finished. And my parents were like, I don't know, Rowan, what do you want to be? And I'd be like, I want to be a fine artist. And they were like, okay, but we, we see a lot of illustrative potential in this guy, you know. And I didn't even know what that meant. Yeah. I'm, I'm making art. Mm. And that's always been my thing. Every piece of work, it's, it's an artwork. I sort of start it on that theory and I finish it on that theory. It's not an illustration... I don't know what that word means in terms of how my practice is. I, I do stuff for books, but I do artworks for books. And it's yeah, artworks yeah for very much so. Yeah. yeah, I don't know the, the distinction no. is necessary. And it's, no, it's not. I don't think it is. And, and I think lines are blurring anyway now with like the, you know, mm. the digital revolution. The, the, everything's crossing over. Everything's, yeah, yeah. People are quite multifaceted these days, and I think it's... Uh, God, changes. Anyway, 13, 14, it's crazy, isn't it, looking back? Know. You think, and that's why foundations, in my opinion, are so crucial. 
Yeah. Because that's when you learn and you try mm. and you find out and that's the only way to do it is to go and do it. And, it's like, and that's a scary yeah. prospect and, that, and therefore I think that's why a lot of parents or, or whoever, uh, a lot, you know, they can't process why that's a valid career route for yeah, that yeah. reason because it's so unquantifiable. Yeah. Well, I even, I did, when I started my foundation, I did uh, illustration for the first month thinking, okay, I'll, I'll do this. And I was, I just came out and went, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I want to be an artist. I want to be a fine artist. Mm. I, want to, I just want to create. And this feels like it's not creating in some way. But um, so somehow I always yeah. came back. But to it does. It. You have to. I think you have to be patient and find the, the trigger. You know, there's, there comes a point when something's lit. And, and mm. it's like in my case, it was when I returned to drawing after going around the houses and following the trends that I saw in The Guardian and trying to do these collage pieces at you know, at uni and just didn't have the technical skills to carry that out. But what I always envisioned was what it came to be in the end. Yeah. It's just that it took certain number of things in whether it is in my career, I was working at Preston City Council at the time and various things and you know, there comes a moment when it just clicks and I think this, yeah. right, I'm back to basics, black and white drawing, I fell back in love with it and yeah. I've never lost the passion since. So it's yeah. like, but you have to be ready in your life in a lot of different areas and I think, you know, I talked to Miss um, Led on the show and yeah, she, you know, she's right up there, you know, in the top of the industry at the minute, but she spent eight years after doing a fine art degree doing nothing creatively whatsoever. Yeah, she really. didn't pick up a pencil for eight years. Yeah, worked as a waitress and all sorts of other things. Came back into it at the right moment at the right time and, and now she's loving it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's inspiring. Everyone's got their own journey, haven't they? You know? Yeah, yeah. And you have to wait for those moments to come. But it's, not, it's not about the destination, is it? Absolutely journey. not, of course it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the last bit I would ask my guests, Shark in the Tank, I ask people for a love and a hate. Loosely within the creative industries, but it can be as playful or as serious as you want. Love and a hate. <laughs> it doesn't have to be love and hate, it can be positive, negative, whatever. It can be playful, it doesn't. Absolutely up to you. What, of, of, of things that exist or just. Uh... Absolutely, it's a very open ended question. I, I, you know, I always kind of say loosely within the creative industries, but it can be. I've had the, the funniest answers from different people, it's always interesting responses. Um, I love, I love uh, emerald green. <laughs> Yeah, that's a gorgeous colour, actually. That's like, um, <laughs> that kind of, that colour in my life has always been, um, I don't know what affinity I have to it, but it's, I have tubes of it, all the different, um, really expensive, big, thick tubes of oil paint in that colour, or watercolours in that colour. Mm. I search out that colour and I, I find it, and I, I use it nice. as much as I can. Um, that's a curveball answer from someone who does a lot of black and white work. I know. <laughs> it's funny, I need to have that sat there, just, it, it just changes my mood, that colour. Um, it is a very engaging piece, just for listeners looking at, uh, I don't know how you, how you and how I describe it, it's a, a painting, uh, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, it's quite geometric, but it's yeah. got a lot of depth to it, and predominantly emerald green and black. Yeah. <laughs> so I've never been an art critic. That's that's one thing I've ruled out right there. <laughs> that, that's exactly how I describe it as well. It's, uh, yeah, I have no idea. I started that about two years ago. Never finished it. That's I think, it's, I, I think it's finished. It's great. That strikes me as finished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, hate. I try. Yeah, I try not to hate anything. I think. Um, Too much uncontrollable noise, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm on board with that, with this show. <laughs> I found, uh, yeah, a new anger, which I never had before um, in, in the new place I live, uh, with noise, like noise pollution from neighbours, which is, um, yeah, I, I've never been an angry person ever in my life, but I've, I've found myself getting very angry. It is very infuriating, I've to admit. Yeah, if someone just, yeah, you know, silly times stereo on no, no yeah. consideration for anyone else it's just you yeah. know the arrogance of it infuriates me totally no. or the ignorance it's everything yeah I get I get violent in my thoughts which I don't enjoy maybe that's your personal project then <laughs> yes yes. representing what you'd like to do to the neighbours when they put the uncontrollable noise on right. you need a lot of red paint <laughs> emerald green oh emerald green yeah <laughs> well that's been brilliant thanks Ron and that's oh before key. we forget where can people check out your work um, well, on the uh, Illustration Limited website, uh, I've got my full portfolio on there, um, and there's also my website, uh, ronnieson.com. Perfect. Yeah, just type me in, you'll find me. Brilliant. I'll stick it in the show notes. Thanks yeah. for your time. Thank you. Cheers, man. Good fun. So- I hope you enjoyed the story about the three little girls sitting on toilets piece that, that Daniel told as much as I did. Really, really made me chuckle and I thought it was um, hilarious and more importantly, it was really cool to hear about a child just doing what what came to them naturally and, and 
even if it's totally weird, not having it questioned by parents. And sometimes it's good to have things questioned to think about it, but other times it's good just to let someone exercise that and find their own path, no matter how strange it might be in its conception. So <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that. Let me know your thoughts on the conversation on the Twitter at Arrest or Mimics or at Ben Talent. Um, it's really, really cool stuff. Um, you can check out my own personal new website, which is just launched, bentalent.com. Really happy with the way that's gone. Loads of new projects on the homepage, and I've added a new sketchbook, more experimental section on there too. So let me know your thoughts on that also. Coming up in the next few weeks, we've got Justine Fox, who's a colour psychologist, talking about, indeed, the psychology of colour. You wouldn't believe how far that conversation goes and how important that can be to branding, artwork, illustration, design. It's really, really, really fascinating stuff. On that same thread, I'm going to be talking to Mariana Pastana coming up soon, who is a curator at the V&A, and we're going to be talking about future design, so where the industry is going and how exhibitions can show off you know, the way that society and design are going to have to work hand-in-hand, hand, the way things are going with technology. Really, really intriguing conversation. So many more possibilities coming up, so many cool guests for you guys. The Association of Illustrators have done an episode and they're coming up soon talking about why it's important to be represented. Not just represented, but looked after in the industry in terms of contacts and intellectual property rights. So it's all going on. The show is going from strength to strength and that is massively thanks to you guys. So thanks for your support, your listens, your shares and your feedback. And also thanks so much to my sponsors, Printed.com, Heart Internet and Illustration Limited always there illustration limited from the start the other guys came on board later but i've done a hell of a lot to make up for that ground lost in time with their awesome support of the creative industries so thanks as ever for tuning in it means so much just past the twenty-five thousand listens mark really really beautiful stuff keep subscribing on itunes get the reviews down there hit me up on the twitter at the rest on the mix and keep checking in for future shows nice one guys thanks for your time see you later on <laughs>